It's a big thrill for you guys. I would watch this. It's my dream come true. <laughs> Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's surprising you <laughs> with an extra Titanic special. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I did not prepare anything for this. Well, much like our actual <laughs> marriage. <laughs> That's very true. That was all me. <laughs> uh, so we know that we said we weren't going to talk about Titanic anymore. Right. Uh, possibly ever. <laughs> but we lied because we have, uh, amongst our cousins, a veritable plethora of Titanic knowledge in the form of one person. Uh, cousin Chris, who's been a frequent telegram writer to the program, that's right, uh, has graciously offered to jump on Skype with us and talk more about Titanic and the many, many ways that Titanic Blood and Steel got it wrong. Right. So, welcome, Cousin Chris. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you all for having me. I am tickled to be here, and I cannot <laughs> wait to hot punch your rivet hole. <laughs> Well, we hope uh, we hope that you got that steal that Mark Muir ap- approved. <laughs> right. He really was. No. He was the worst of the worst. <laughs> but before uh, before we get to the portion of this special where we disparage Mark Muir some more, uh, so we've heard from you many many times, uh, kind of critiquing various pop culture uh, depictions of Titanic. Uh, we're curious, how did how did you become such a font of knowledge on the subject of Titanic? Oh, this is so lame. So, um, in the, uh, what, what, that's 2013, so, uh, 21 years ago, when I was but a wee lad, <laughs> um, a wee bastard child, um, I was a big fan of reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And there was this one episode where LeVar was, like, on a beach looking for buried treasure. And um, part of it was he was using this metal detector, and it led to how you could use metal detectors to find um, you know, cheap shit in the ground, or you could use it to find more valuable stuff. And somehow that transcended into a story about how they found the Titanic. And they talked about, you know, what it was, how it sailed, you know, this big, fabulous new ship, and everything was wonderful. And then a few nights out, it's an iceberg, sings huge tragedy. And then it goes into how in 1985, Robert Ballard led um, an expedition and actually went out and found it. And um, it just, for some reason, it looked really, like a really neat story. And one thing I remember is they had lots of pretty pictures. Yeah. Um, and so, but you know, I, I didn't think too much about it. Um, but I, I remembered it very clearly. And then um, I was actually in second grade at the time. Uh, and I went in uh, a few days later into the class, and I noticed that on my teacher's bookshelf, she had um, had a uh, a children's soft cover book called Exploring the Titanic, which was actually written by Dr. Robert Ballard. So of course, you know, I like broke my neck to get it <laughs> and i read it cover to cover every single day for the rest of the year till the book fell apart and actually on the last day of second grade i'll never forget i still have it she bought me a new copy of it and gave it to me oh my gosh wow. that is a fantastic story yeah 
Now, there's actually there's a little bit more to it. Because <gasps> at the end of that year, she gave us as our last assignment. She said that we all had to write the author of our favorite book a letter. So people were writing like Rolled Doll and like fucking Laura Ingalls, even though she's been dead for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... <laughs> Like these second graders are such idiots. <laughs> allergists. Um, anyway, and so, but me being the geek that I was, I write Dr. Robert Ballard. And of all those twits in my second grade class, I'm the <laughs> only one who got a response from him. Um, I mean, I'm sure he had a secretary type it out, but he did sign it, and he sent me another copy of his book, um, and he actually signed it, and I still have it too. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, it, yeah, it was, it was good, and I just, from that point on, it just kept, you know, building and building, and then a few years later when the movie came out, you know, it's like Titanic Palooza everywhere, it was like, you couldn't right. get away from it, even I got a little sick of it, <laughs> but, um, you know, things simmered, and it's just, it's really a fascinating story, like, when you really get into it, just everything that went wrong, could have possibly gone wrong, did, and you, you couldn't create it, and it'd be anywhere near as good as fact. So one question So like is this like a thing like does your family Know how obsessed you are with Titanic And then like every holiday or Gift giving occasion they give you Titanic Oriented things That's exactly what happens (laughs) Um, I have in my years received Commemorative plates um, (laughs) Oven eye covers uh, Dish towels um, A bathrobe um, All kinds of What is What is a Titanic bathrobe like it, it's it's a white robe. It's terry cloth. It's actually very nice. A little short, though. Uh, but, um, it's a it's it, a sassy it, bathrobe. Oh, it's well, it's how appropriate for me. Uh, <laughs> it's a huge white star line emblem on it. Ah. It was really comfortable. I'll give it that. Is it is it supposed to be modeled on bathrobes that were on the Titanic, or is it just a white star? It's just trying to sell stuff. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the bathrobe was really much of a thing in Titanic era. That I know of, people just uh, let it all hang out back then. Well, I think I mean I think it would have a dressing so. gown. Oh yeah, dressing gowns and yeah. smoking jackets, right? And those kinds of things. Yeah, they used to have way more specific action attire. Yeah, now it's just like yoga pants. No, yeah, that's true. It's all yoga pants now. <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. Um, and then you're also you're a member of the Titanic Historical Society. Yeah, a little. A little. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's something that yeah, it's, it's I have a membership to it. You know, it's not extremely active. I mean, well, I, I say extremely. I mean, they have stuff every single month that comes out. But you know. There's no survivors left. That used to be a big thing. That always have survivors. Oh, so right. were there a lot of survivors in the group then? Oh, they all were. Okay. They wanted to be or not. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't leave those poor people alone. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you yeah, know, most of them had died off even before I was ever in it. And um, I don't even know what it costs, to be quite honest. I think it just comes out of my card every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they send out a newsletter, and you know, it's interesting. And of course, you know, there's other people who share your interest, and there are so you know, surprising number of um, I guess I still consider myself young, I'm only 29. Um, surprised number of young people who are really into it, and you know, we, we a lot of us we call ourselves rivet counters because we're yeah. the ones that watch shit, and I say shit literally like Titanic Blood and Steel, <laughs> but 
and look for all the inaccuracies and, you know, say, actually. And uh, <laughs> they've made mistakes. So we're those people. Interesting. Yeah. It's so funny to me that it's still so fascinating. Like, as you said, you know, for people who are younger and probably people who weren't even really aware of the movie itself when it came out, what do you think, as a member of, of this group and a huge fan, you know, is it is it just that everything went wrong? Is that the attraction to people? Well, I think what it is is people love a good story where when you look at it in hindsight, you think, how could you not see this coming? Yeah. And what Titanic is, it's it's... It might be an odd word to use, but it's a very romantic story. It's you know you've it's it's an era when man thought that nothing could stop its progress, and you know it's on the very beginning, right before World War One. Y'all, that's starting to brew. Mm, right. And Titanic was, we have conquered nature. We have bested ourselves. Everything's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And then you have this culmination of all these people from all these different walks of life. But for a brief, you know, four days, they are all together in one space. And whenever this two and a two hour and 40 minute drama started for them, you know, they live out that those those few hours are going to change the rest of their lives forever. Right. And to see where they end up. Or it may be the rest of their lives forever. Maybe. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's. And for that one, that was usually the case. Right. And so, you know, it's. I, I, I was I was trying to really think of a good reason to say why it's so fascinating to me. I just I think it's just there's certain things that grab us where we would try to envision how we would handle ourselves in that situation, mm. and we all want to think we'd be the brave man at the bar, you know, just drinking until the ship went down <laughs> and giving up our seat in the lifeboat. But we may have all been Ismays too. Mm. So yeah. it's you just want it, to. It's it's very interesting to me to consider myself in a a different time, a different position to wonder how I would have behaved. Yeah, well, and I think that that's probably true for most of the people who listen to this podcast. Uh, And, you know, certainly us who who make the podcast. You know, that's always, I think, what the fascination of history is, is how would I have behaved? Uh, I mean, I would have been a total Mary. Like, that is (laughs) without question. Yeah. (laughs) And she would have gotten off the Titanic had she been on it. Who, me? No, well, you or Mary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Look, as soon as there was a problem, I just would have been like, fuck this. Where's a lifeboat and a fifth of whiskey? I'm just, I'm out. Y'all need to deal with this. With her luggage. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know what? I, I do like to think that both Mary and I would leave our luggage. Okay. Yeah. That's... I don't think she would. <laughs> just saying. Uh, I really don't think she would. <laughs> You know, honestly, you've probably paid more attention to our podcast than we have. Uh, so I'm going to take your assessment of my character, you know, pretty seriously. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying you. I'm saying Mary. Oh, okay. Oh, well, thanks then. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Mary would have done something. I, I see uh, the Dowager being more obsessed with her luggage myself. Yeah, that's true. She would have sent her nameless maid off to get it. Mm-hmm. No. You know, I think she'd have pulled the whole, you know what, I'm old. You know, I just... I can't get in a lifeboat wearing this dress. <laughs> yeah, that's so actually... I could, I, yeah. Yeah, she's pretty stoic when you get right down to it. Yeah, yeah. I I've think, had a good run. Yeah. 
so yeah, I uh, you know we we had a few specific questions about uh, Titanic BS. Before we do that, can oh, I yeah. ask some vague questions? Oh yeah, well go ahead. They're actually weirdly specific, but they're not about the TV show. All right, all right. Um, so Chris, I I have a question for you. Do you I have matches? <laughs> do you do you have a favorite Survivor? And then part two, do you have a favorite dead person from Titanic? <laughs> They wrote a musical about her. I mean, she's she's freaking unsinkable. Yeah. Um, and fun fact, um, in the James Cameron movie, she was actually um, Kathy Bates is not the first choice. He um, had actually originally cast Reba McIntyre. Oh my God! Wow. She got the part. She passed the screen test. Everything, but her touring schedule, um, uh, it that and the shooting schedule didn't mix. And she eventually had to drop out of it. There were scenes shot with her, but apparently those will never be seen. I would give my eye teeth as a Nashvilleian. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that. Wow, yeah. Because Reba actually looked a lot more like Molly Brown did when Molly Brown was on the Titanic. Because mm-hmm. Molly Brown wasn't that old then. Mm-hmm. Um, but she eventually looked a lot more like Kathy Bates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> she. One thing they didn't show in the James Cameron movie is eventually... Um, she took command of the lifeboat. She actually um, told the helmsman, you know, if you don't let us row, if you don't let us go back, I'm going to throw you overboard. Mm-hmm. And he shut the fuck up and sat down and she organized the women in rowing. And they pulled a few people out of the water. Only, I think, two of them lived. But still, that's two people. Yeah. Um, the most interesting person, I think, who was probably on board, though, um, who you've probably never heard of, her name was Violet Jessup. And she was actually a crew member on the Titanic. What makes her interesting is that um, she was a stewardess, and there were only 17 on board because they still thought having a woman on board was bad luck. Um, yeah. That's I'm not even kidding. That's yeah. what I thought. Well, and, uh, if the Titanic is your only sample size, I think that that's true. <laughs> well, and because of this, it might be true because the year earlier, she was actually working as a stewardess on the Olympic when it was um, in its collision with the Hawk. Hmm. And then, of course, she was on Titanic on its first and only trip, but she did survive. And then in 1916, she was working as a nurse during World War One, and she was actually on the Britannic, which was originally going to be the Gigantic. Wow. <laughs> and um, it hit a mine in the Aegean Sea, and she actually was very severely injured um, when her lifeboat was chopped up in a propeller. <gasps> but um, she survived that as well. And went on to serve on other ships and lived a long, fruitful life. And I just, I mean, to have seen all that happen is just, it's fascinating. So you're saying she's a witch. (laughs) She is a witch. (laughs) She might be responsible for, you know, the Bay of Pigs. I don't know. (laughs) So, and then was she, uh, was she British? I believe so. Okay. um, From all, I believe if I go through my bank i think she yes, she was a british lady she never married um she stayed single and just spent her life in service all right and lived to a right old age i believe well. violet doing it for herself well you know you gotta do what you gotta do work hard <laughs> for the money so yep. you're right. <laughs> and so then what about uh people who didn't make it who sticks out for you there <sighs> dead people 
people. Um, <laughs> Do you see dead people? <laughs> oh, I see. I'm seeing so many right now. Um, I, I, I hate to be really stereotypical. I've always been a big Thomas Andrews fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he really was the person he's portraying to be. He was just a good guy who tried to stick up for what he thought was right. He tried to save as many people as he could once there, you know, was... Because, you know, if it wasn't for him, a lot of people that were saved wouldn't have been saved because he was really the only person who, for the first you know, hour or so, knew that ship was going to sink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one believed it. Because, like, even in James Cameron's movie, they had this little discussion, like, you know, 30 minutes after. And, like, even after that, no one thought he was right. But he knew they had to get people off the boat. And they, he, he's the only one who really understood how bad the death toll was going to be. Yeah, and again, most people who made it off the ship that night, they have him to thank for it. Um, of course, he probably—I don't think he probably ventured far out of first class, if at all. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I mean, in all fairness, there were rats. So, <laughs> yeah. Why? Why do you think that people were so reluctant to believe? the man with the most intimate understanding of the way the ship was constructed and how it might react to a collision like that. Because it was the Titanic. Yeah. And they were told it was unsinkable. Yeah. So it, it's, I'd heard that. It's really, it's really they, they, the, they, the power of advertising then and, and public relations. Well, the thing is, you know, the White Star Line never said the ship was unsinkable. Right. It's just that mankind, and Captain Smith had a quote a few years earlier where he said that uh, modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that. They thought, you know, if an accident happens, we've found ways to contain that damage. And, you know, we, it'll sink just so far, and then it'll stop, we'll get towed in, we'll be fine. And, you know, part of it also, um, it, it's kind of a, I was, I was watching a special, it's on Netflix, about, it's called Why Ships Sink. And it deals with Titanic and the Costa Concordia disaster. And it talks about this one psychological element that basically just throws you into immediate denial. And you usually just, whenever something happens, you just keep doing what you were doing. You act as if nothing's changed, nothing's happening, assuming that everything's just going to be fine. And it takes some kind of jarring event, um, like you know, seeing a glass roll off the desk or things start falling over because the ship's leaning over. For you to actually kind of snap out of it and realize, oh, there might be a problem. So, and, and I, I just—I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I—you I, I, weren't there. I don't expect you to have a itemized accounting for everybody. Just curious, uh, what the thinking on that was. Yeah. And you know, one thing that people have to people have trouble with realizing when they look back at the story of the Titanic is that. They question people's reaction and their response to things, but we're looking at it in 2013. Those people, they weren't, they didn't know they were on the Titanic. They were just on the Titanic. Right. They were just going to New York. They weren't anticipating this epic catastrophe that will make billions of dollars for years to come. You know, what is so weird about that, and I guess this is a good seg into talking about the abomination that is <laughs> Titanic Blood and Steel. But ironically, I thought that was one of the things that they did a good job with, even though obviously sort of the, the, you know, the unseen narrator of the camera knew like, oh, they're all getting on Titanic, oh my god. But I thought the actors did a nice job of, you know, uh, acting as if this was just another voyage. Yeah. Yeah. 
my actual favorite part of the entire miniseries was the very end of the last episode one because it was the end. <laughs> but um, when it showed um, Michael and Violetta and Sophia and all them getting on the ship, like it, it, I'll admit, it actually te- it teared me up because that happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People, you know, they didn't know if they'd ever see their families, their loved ones again. And in many cases, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Not because, you know, they just never got across, because they died. Yeah. And I thought they just, I thought they handled that part really well. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's one of those things that just to me is just tremendously sad. Yeah. Because, the, you know, you, you're leaving with the anticipation of all your hopes and dreams coming true to no avail. Especially since, um, you know, uh, Sophia's dad bought her ticket. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just the worst. That right. was that was a scene that I found very affecting. Right. Uh, the scene where he bought her that ticket. And, yeah. And just, you know, what it meant for her to be on that ship, you know, that she'd been involved in building and that he was giving her his blessing. Definitely, definitely a little, uh, a little moist around the eyes over here <laughs> during that scene. He's going to feel in a few days for buying that ticket. Yeah. 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 That's that, it, it actually bothered me more what it's going to do to him than what it's going to do to her. That's not right. weird. Because I kind of like him more than her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she's just stupid. She let him, because that whole miniseries takes place over three years. She let him do that. Like, she let him screw her for three years with no commitment. Not even a house. He didn't buy her a mixer or anything. I guess and it was three years. Yeah. My three God. Years. Yeah. What a whore. <laughs> Did you guys date for three years before you got married? Uh, no. No, we didn't. We did not at all. You put a ring on it. That's what you did. <laughs> no, you don't believe in sex before marriage. That's just wrong. Yeah. Or just, you know, dump the guy, like, for crying out loud. If he's so obsessed with his mystery daughter. The whole, like, you know, like, Mama Celeste mystery about her. I don't know. She can make somebody a pizza or something. Yeah. <laughs> She's a hot, she's a hot, saucy lady. <laughs> <laughs> they call her marinara on the street. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> as, but yeah, speaking of that uh, boarding, we uh, assumed that it was ridiculous to portray that happening in Belfast. Uh, oh my god, I yelled at the screen. I was so effing pissed. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry to be bringing up all of these angry emotions for you, but it's like very important that we get to the bottom of this. So, I mean, okay, so this, the Titanic, of course, yeah, it did, uh, it did, in theory, leave from Belfast, but it left Belfast more than a week before it ever even set sail. Um, the only people that would have been on in Belfast would have been some of the crew, like Stokers, things like that. Basically, just enough to get him to Southampton, and then the officers would have been there, and the guarantee group, um, which um, I don't know if you want to talk about those guys now or later. I know you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, would have included Andrews and the other guys that are on the guarantee group. Simple Jack. <laughs> he is based on a real person. Oh wow. Um, Simple Jack was not a riveter in real life, but they would have had no need for a riveter on the guarantee group. That's just stupid. All right. Um, the, the riveting all seems to be done. One would hope. Yeah. They're pretty good. 
good with rivets. And if the rivets fail, there's really nothing he can do. Yeah. No. Punch at sea. So, can't really hot punch a rivet hole if it's underwater. <laughs> oh, um, Simple Jack can swim. <laughs> bless his heart. He'll probably be some people picking portholes. Um, but, uh, everybody else would have gotten on board in Southampton. Because the ship, the, the path Titanic took was um, Southampton to uh, Cherbourg, France. That's where, like, Molly Brown and John Jacob Astor and all those got on that night. And then the next day, it stopped off the coast of Queenstown, Ireland, and then headed for New York and all points west. Even though it says Liverpool on the back of the Titanic, people always never understand why I never went there. Um, that's where the head offices of the White Star Line were. Oh. And that's the reason, because it's basically wherever your ship's registered at up, that's what it says on the back. So. Intriguing. I kept saying kind Liverpool in my mind and possibly on this podcast and I really can't think why because I obviously meant Southampton yeah I didn't know well <laughs> you know see even we learned something today that's right <laughs> well just or, uh, the more you know I guess yeah, yeah. when well, you say all points west was that just meaning that you would then transfer to a train there or something like that or was it actually going anywhere else the Titanic it was going to New York and then wherever you were going from that point on Okay. They just they just wanted to sound cool. Yeah. yeah, because usually when you booked a crossing, you booked your crossing, you booked your train, you booked any other ship you had to take. It was all one thing because traveling was a bitch back then. Yeah. Oh, so maybe that's why Nev Campbell was so mad. Yeah. When she no, couldn't get her true. crossing. And Wouldn't then they... you be mad if you were Nev Campbell, though? Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been uh, downhill since Party of Five. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, she was in Wild Things, you know? Oh, God, she was in Scream. She was so good in Scream. I like Scream 4. I'm one of the few. I also did, although I wish that the ending... I wish they hadn't copped out on the ending. Yeah, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. But, um, but the rest of it I thought was great. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was super on board for that whole situation. I don't think Tom's seen it. So. I have not. It's, uh, it's great. I... Ship sinks, everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I uh, saw Scream 1, and I believe Scream 2, and I was sated at that point. <laughs> I never uh, saw the third one. The third one is terrible. Uh, I actually watched it recently, because I, well, recently, like a year ago, because we had a movie marathon for Halloween, and that was one of the movies that I found, <laughs> or had, or something, uh, or maybe it was on Netflix, but it's so bad. Uh, Noel from Felicity is in it, and just, wow. That sounds like a real... It sounds like a real winner. It was not. Harry <laughs> as Titanic blood and steel. Yeah. It was not that bad. <laughs> uh, so what What was the guarantee group? Like, what does that phrase mean? The guarantee group would have been, it was a Harlan and Wolf thing. And what it would be was a group usually of about eight to a dozen people of various skills and trades who were involved in the building of the ship who showed, you know, excellent command of their craft to kind of go on board on the first uh, round trip um, voyage to, you know, look for problems, look for things in their area of specialty. Um, like, for instance, Thomas Andrews, because Lord Peary, Lord Peary actually did get sick, and he did miss the trip because of that, um, because of his heart palpitations or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so he actually did take his place as head of the guarantee group. Um, they also had, uh, let's see, there were plumbers, there were draftsmen, 
There were um, fitters who were just like, you know, people who either did woodworking or additional plumbing, metalwork, things like that. Um, and actually, that's where Simple Jack comes in. Um, there was a 15-year-old, um, and Mr. Oh, um, oh, he had a really bad name, Ennis, Ennis, something like that. Uh, Ennis Watson. And uh, nope. he was yeah, he was an apprentice electrician. And he was only 15 um, when he actually sailed on Titanic. And um, what was really great for him, you know, a lot of these guys were just flat-out, blue-collar, poor people but who worked on there. But the minimum passage they would have gotten would have been at least second class. Oh. Um, so, mo- like, like, Simple Jack got second class. That's pretty good, considering. So we got to yeah. die in style. <laughs> well, well, you know, he had a lot better chance of living. True. That's yeah. a good point. People knew the ship. But, um, you know, fun fact, everyone in the Guarantee Group died. Aww. <laughs> Every single one of them, because some of them were first class, some of them weren't. That's not still, fun at all. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun, but, you know, yeah. um, I, th- I think they would have probably preferred it that way. If, you know, <laughs> let's just say that. Let's go with that. We'll give them honor. But, yeah, they're also then not expected to solve any of the problems after the ship sank. <laughs> like, look what you did, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> So then Mark Muir is is just fake, right? He's like, there's nothing... He is so fake. They did not have a metallurgist. Oh, wait. Metallurgist. They did not have a metallurgist. God bless America, I can't say (laughs) They did not have a metal douche. (laughs) Ouch! (laughs) Yeah, it is. And, and furthermore, I have a lot of issue with like thinking that you know J.P. Morgan was a badass and all that. But why? But um, Harlan and Wolf could not have given a fuck's care who J.P. Morgan was. Um, they weren't owned by White Star. They were, they were epic in maritime construction. They were bigger than the biggest. They, I mean, White Star was still their biggest client, but I really don't think they could have just come in and thrown him on their payroll. But whatever. Um, but no, there was no Mark Muir. There was no Blue Steel. There was uh, a baby. Um, you know, thank God he wasn't real. I mean, he's pretty and all that, and I think he's good looking. And, you know, I would have been, you know, and I would have liked to talk to Sophia about the rendezvous. But uh, otherwise, I just, I, he's boring. Yeah. He is very boring. Like, he boring. worked fine as an entry point, And then when I was done with him, I was like, why are we still talking about this? Yeah. I mean, once all his mystery was gone, it just was like, you know what? Okay, well, um, where's Michael? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael was the goods, man. Well, again, if his whole quest is to make the <clears throat> Titanic safe, then, you know, spoiler alert, that we know he's going to fail. Yeah. So why? Yeah. And anyway. we hope that Sophia doesn't end up with you because you suck. I like to think that, uh, you know, in the scenes we didn't get to see of the Titanic sinking, she just slaps him a whole bunch of times. <laughs> you know, that, hmm, that might be a, maybe she like handcuffed him to a pipe. Yeah. Oh, she's, yeah. yeah. She's like, Mark, you were supposed to build a safe ship. <laughs> Why did I draw all those slides? Why did I let you draw me like a French? Uh, <laughs> I'm Italian. <laughs> uh, and then, like you know, so she goes and gets an axe, but instead of chopping off the chain, she just chops his arms off. Yep, yep. She just like kind of like drops the axe, like she's dropping the mic, and then just walks out. <laughs> um, I would watch this. Yeah. Several of the 
Several of the people who reviewed this series on IMDb seemed to think that they were setting up for a second season. I don't know what those people thought the second season would be. Like, you couldn't of. call it Titanic Blood. Like, you, it can't, you can't have Titanic in the title. Right. The Titanic it's would like, be gone. It's like Titanic 2, Bible Goes West. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to be reviewing uh, Titanic The Legend Goes On yeah. in about a week or so. Which is essentially Fievel Goes West. Yeah. Is, is what we've been led to understand. Right. We still haven't seen it, so who knows. I've looked it up, and it looks pretty bad. So we're, really... we're looking forward to the badness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that uh, Mark Muir discovered was this thing about steel being uh, fragile at like uh, below freezing temperatures or whatever. Oh God, he's such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> right. That seemed to me like something like we'd been working with steel for a while at that time in various climates. It, that seems to me like something that people would have known by then. But you know, I don't know. He's no metallurgist, right? Like, well, th- th- that was actually other than the whole Belfast thing. The first time I yelled at the screen, no, actually, actually, it's not. The first time I yelled at the screen was when they showed the hole in the Olympic on the wrong end and wrong side. <laughs> right. Those. God, I mean, how. It's computer generated. Right. Okay, anyway, we talked about that. <laughs> now, when they show that scene in the, fucking, in the fucking yard where this just giant piece of metal falls and shatters like a piece of glass, I mean, yeah, that can happen if it's been frozen to, like, the t- level you freeze nitrogen. <laughs> but it was, like, maybe, what, 40, mm-hmm. 30 degrees outside. If that was going to happen, then every time they hit a rib, uh, a plate with a hammer, it would have shattered. That was that was bullshit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, steel can become brittle at cold temperatures, but if that's the same, you know, if you think it's that fragile, then why is the Titanic still standing up today? Yeah, yeah. It's been chilled for a hundred years, <laughs> and if it's going to be so brittle, it would shatter like glass. I think it would have probably done it somewhere, you know, about ninety nine years ago. Yeah, when, like, a shark um, ran into it or something. Yeah. <laughs> a I mean, very steel, cold shark. <laughs> right. The, the way they actually did the steel on Titanic, um, uh, to get science on you, um, they actually used something called the Siemens-Martin formula, and it was the... They originally started using that for armed emergent cruisers. Um, because the White Star Line used to be kind of the same way Cunard was. They would build the ships... Um, with subsidies from the government so they could be easily converted into cruisers if war ever arose. And they still made the steel pretty much in the same way, even though Titanic and Olympic and Britannic weren't designed to ever be used as cruisers, they could, of course, be taken over if they had to be, which Olympic and Britannic were. Right. Um, and Titanic would have been as well had it you know, survived. But the steel on you know some of the older White Star ships when they were taken apart years later were found to be in excellent condition for the time. I mean, and there's still like a White Star Line ship, the Nomadic, which was the tender built for the Titanic. It's still in Belfast now, just restored with its entire original hull. The problem on the Titanic wasn't the steel. The problem was the rivets. Yeah. Because the hull was steel, but the rivets were wrought iron. And wrought iron is notoriously weak because it's a combination of steel and iron, I believe. That's what wrought iron is, I think. That sounds right. Um, it may not be, but I think it's, it's a combination of different metals. And I'm, I'm not sure why you would want to use a wrought iron rivet and a steel plate, and why wouldn't you want to use a steel rivet and a steel plate? 
but there, there were parts of the Titanic's hull that were riveted four layers thick. I mean, it's it was not... I can't emphasize, it was not a badly built ship. <laughs> yeah. It was very well built. Its steel was the best quality they could have had at that point. You know, there were different ways to build the ships, you know, and like the Cunarders, like Lusitania, Mauritania, and all that. You know, they were built probably more to be like the armed cruisers. We know where they could be, you know, transferred easily and used as battleships. And they were, at least the Mauritania was. But, you know, Lusitania sank. And if you look at it on the ocean floor now, it looks like nothing. It's mm. fallen to pieces. Yeah, and it sort of looks like itself, so. Yeah, we, we saw a big chunk of the Titanic in Vegas. Remember? Was that real? Yeah, they pulled that up off the... I was drunk most of that trip. <laughs> yeah. No, it should be. <laughs> yeah. No, they had a, a decent-sized chunk of it that's the, you know, the biggest okay. part of the Titanic that, that they you know, brought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, Part, it, uh, parts of good. that exhibit were eerie. Have you seen that? I have been in so many of those. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually got to go to the first uh, Titanic exhibition ever of artifacts. It made its world premiere of, in all places, Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was in 97, I think it was. It was before the movie um, came out later that year. And my mother took me to go see it one weekend. It was on about a three-hour drive. And it was before they broke up the collection and all these small pieces like they have now. And, you know, that is kind of one thing, you know, mentioning you saw it in Vegas. Um, <laughs> it, it does kind of bother me a little bit how it's kind of become a sideshow. Yeah. Like, for instance, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which is like white trash heaven, you know, they have a Titanic museum where they built basically the front half of the ship. And they have artifacts and things like that. And they've got another one in Branson, Missouri. And it actually says, you know, the Titanic attraction. You know, it's not a fucking theme park ride. It's like, you know, are they going to make a 9-11 attraction? Uh, You know, when enough time has passed, I would think. It's kind of sick. It's ripe ripe for the the marketing, man. But that being said, I still go to all those exhibitions because I want (laughs) to see the stuff. Right, right. No, but I think there's something to be said about kind of keeping it all together. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, fucking Laura Ingalls Wilder earlier. And <laughs> I don't know how many... I don't know how many different museums they have for her, but I went to the one in Mansfield, Missouri when I was a kid, and they have an annual festival every year. They do a musical. You know, it's the whole, the whole Midwest let's have a festival about something thing. Um, but they had a great collection of artifacts and there may be others in other places, but this is the biggest one, I think. And it's just cool to be able to see it all in one place, I think. And I don't know, you know, I know that you obviously can't make as much money as if you spread it around to various tourist destinations, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of a completist that way. I think, I think all things should be housed together like that, or at least have a place that they stay, you know? Yeah. See, if it was back in, like, the Middle Ages, we could have just made a whole bunch of, like, fake Titanic artifacts, like the True Cross and all that yeah. sort of thing. And there could have been one in every town. The True Hull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were, it never sank. We have the original one here. Yeah. And do, like, <laughs> relics. Like, this is Bone China. <laughs> it says Walmart on the back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, though, if you ever do get a chance, even if it is in one of those white trash places, go see it, because... They actually do have, like, one of my favorite things, and I've seen it a couple times now, is they have a leather bag that was brought up, and I 
as much as I say I liked it. I can't remember the guy's name. He was a, um, a salesman who was in second class, and they had the leather bag right up his leather. It kind of helped preserve what was in the bag because the organisms that ate all the stuff, they were repulsed by the leather. And it had all the contents of his bag laid out. I mean, there was just so much shit in this bag. But my favorite thing they had was a collection of love letters back and forth between him and his wife over the last two or three years. And the, and the last one was like two months before the ship sailed. Oh, wow. And he, he did die. And it's just, it's, and you can read them. And I mean, it's just, it's so fucking sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they were just obviously just head over heels. And it's so, it was so romantic and so moving to see that. And the thing that had been down there for nearly 100 years and found and brought back and these words are able to be seen again. Mm-hmm. It, there is something for it. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's disrespectful that they brought these things back up as long as it's not handled like a sideshow. Yeah. 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 I think I remember I think in the exhibit that we saw they had uh, somebody was a perfume salesman. I don't know if it's this guy or a different guy. Yeah. But they had all of these uh, yeah. yeah, samples of perfume and like they still were fragrant all these yeah. years later, which is crazy. You know, yeah. like this is like old time perfume like made with ambergris and you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I used to work in personal fragrance, as we all know, so I get <laughs> I get excited by uh, the perfume. <laughs> oh, I love the shit too, and I've I've seen that same uh, Malice or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And yeah, it, it, it's it's a big deal. That's that, that is really neat too. I I just saw a documentary where it talked about when they opened up that case because they say most of the stuff that they pull up from the Titanic it reeks because it just smells like old mud. Yeah. They yeah. opened it and the whole room smelled of flowers. Wow. wow. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's pretty epic when you think about it. Yeah. And everybody on the documentary started crying because apparently it just was a big deal to them. Well, yes. Yeah. So. I would imagine if you're, you know, one of the people involved in excavating something like that, it's got to be terribly emotional. Like, not Bill Paxton emotional. <laughs> like, actual... Yeah, Emotion. Yeah, real, real human emotion. Because I mean, obviously, it's something that you're passionate about. Right. But then also, you're, you know, you're seeing for the first time these artifacts of these people's lives, and you know, that's got to just be terribly overwhelming. And this, this, you know, confrontation of your own mortality and sort of your place in the universe. This is why I have a liberal arts degree. I can't, <laughs> I can't go in for that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, and you're holding something that used to be important to someone that has gone a, a century before mm-hmm. you that they're the last person to touch it and now it's still here in front of you and the story think the stories it could tell mm-hmm. yeah. like dirty pictures that somebody drew you know, yeah <laughs> so uh speaking of the loss of life let's talk a little bit about of the people on titanic blood and steel and your uh professional opinion who's who's uh, gonna live and who's gonna die Okay, and this one I actually put some thought into. All right. Um, so hopefully I can give uh, a somewhat accurate uh, representation. Well, since there's no um, second season, there's uh, there's <laughs> no way to tell. Well, there can always be fan fiction. Maybe they'll get like a Netflix series. <laughs> if Netflix actually makes it, it'll probably be good. Like, you know, House of Cards is really good, and so is Orange is the New Black. True, Island. true. Yeah. Um, let's, Kitty, that whore is going to live. Oh, she totally. She's a survivor. <laughs> yeah. She might have her luggage. Um, <laughs> one that might surprise you, Joanna. I think she's going to die, and I'll tell you why. I think those Germans are going to know she's trying to run from them, 
I think she's probably going to be followed on the Titanic. Mm. And there's going to be some kind of showdown. Like, I see, like, her in, like, a cargo hold with, like, water pouring on her. And, like, some guy, you know, with a gun. And she's like, I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> she jumps over the edge, you know. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I think she's going to die because of something like that. I really do. Um, sad Andrea. Um, I don't know if you'll notice. He's actually in the boiler room. Yeah. yeah, we so, we we had some confusion, then we realized later that that was him. Yeah, we figured it out after the fact. Like, like sold him that ring was down there with him too. Yeah, yeah. How's that business working out? For you? Worst <laughs> friend ever, by the way. Seriously. Hey, I got you a job shoveling coal on the Titanic. <laughs> it's my dream come true. Life is not beautiful. He's gonna he's gonna be singing all the Morrissey songs when that ship starts to go down. <laughs> Or at least it's not Jack Johnson. Um, <laughs> San Andrea is so dead. He is like fucking popsicle. I mean, he's just frozen dead in the water, literally. Um, Violetta, Violetta, and Sophia. I put question mark lived. Reason being, um, you know, Michael and Muir, even though, you know, those three, Michael, Violetta, and Sophia, are in third class. You know, she saw Muir, and of course he's staying in first class, mm-hmm. obviously. So you know she's going to totally shack up with him for the next four days. <laughs> so she's probably in his room, you know, in like Afterglow at 11.40 when all this starts. And you know that there was probably like some love scene between Muir and Andrews after the ship hits the iceberg. <laughs> Where like, you know, they gazingly look into each other's eyes, and like, Andrews kisses Muir's hand or something. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I, I think that Muir's going to know very soon this is going to sink. He's going to tell her. She'll be like, we have got to get them the fuck out of there. They go get the other four people, Violetta, Sophia, and Michael. Michael doesn't probably want to leave all their new friends they've met down there. I can't bring it all, but um, Muir gets them all out. And I think that Violetta, Sophia, and baby Connor, um, they will get in a lifeboat, I'm pretty sure. Probably one of the last ones. There'll be some tearful exchange. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the... Um, the, uh, it was like a 90s miniseries. Uh, the one with Catherine Zeta-Jones? Oh, yeah. Like, like, like she got like one of the last lifeboats. Yeah, out. her and Peter Gallagher. They were boning. And and his eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. Um, so threesome. Yeah. So I think I think he saved that Michael is dead. And Muir, Muir is so dead. Oh, yeah. He's too noble to not die on the Titanic. <laughs> He's probably going to like go down like just like making love to, like, Andrews or something. <laughs> you know, just, like, staring up into a painting and just, you know, no. painting of steel. No, that's... Andrews will stare at the painting. He will whip out his mirror scope and examine the steel as they go down. <laughs> I'm seeing stress fractures. <laughs> broken half. At that point, I hope that Steel Baby, you know, kind of floats by. <laughs> I forgot about the yeah, cause like Steel Baby and and and, and uh, Steel Mummy on. Oh yeah, they're they're dead. Oh yeah, they're super yeah. super dead. Yeah. Like they don't know their magical connection to and, Captain <laughs> Steel. Like so, somehow she does, and like as she's drowning, she's like, "By the way, you're my dad." <laughs> I thought Steel Daddy would save me. <laughs> you you are my real father. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she dies. <laughs> Worst then, plot thread ever. Yeah. They don't make, you know, the whole point. Like, you know what? See, look what happened. Look, 
This is how you got here. If you had just left this fucking kid alone, you could have you'd have you could have married some Italian chick. You could have been sipping a cup of Joe. Uh, I cannot believe they made him say that. I actually watched the last episode um, to, sort of today at work, and just because good I use of your time. Yeah, well, you know, you know what? I'm in, I'm in private sector. <laughs> um, just so I can kind of remember, like you know what happened because it's been a while since I watched it all, mm-hmm. and and I had kind of forgotten the whole cup of Joe scene. Until you guys brought it up, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I remember cringing so hard. Yeah, that. yeah. Like, don't don't write your own fan fiction. Don't think you're that special. We uh, and was... y'all are both moderately attractive, you know. <laughs> we but were so drunk know. then. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember I didn't watch it as soon as they got into that scene. I realized where it was going. I was just like, "I'm gonna." We had to block it out. Yeah, just gonna look the away. The only fan fiction I want to see is like Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy, <laughs> which uh, is. Available in abundance on the internet. No doubt. Word to the wise. <laughs> Let's see. Do we have any other any other that we care about? I think we know. Uh-huh. Andrews yeah, Andrews. Um, we need dies. Yeah. Uh, Ismay. We know doesn't die. Right. Morgan dies. Well, Morgan's not on the ship. Wait, that's right. Who dies? Who's the Who's the mogul that dies? Uh, John Jacob asked. No, the other one with the the mistress. Oh, Guggenheim. Right, right. He died. I can't tell these steel barons apart, man. <laughs> they all look the same. Well, they all kind of are. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, you know, and you know, I'm gonna go ahead and go. I'm gonna go and be uh, kind of go against the grain. Um, I think Bruce Ismay has gotten a bad rap. All right. I think I think you wrote us a letter to that effect at some point. And then that kind of goes back to what I said earlier about, like, you can't say what you would do, because mm-hmm. when Bruce Ismay got into a lifeboat, and, and actually James Cameron's movie kind of shows it pretty well, there was no one else on the part of the deck where he was, you really couldn't see anybody, it was dark, I mean, he may, in his stupidity, have actually thought, okay, all the chicks are gone, no offense to mm-hmm. ladies out there, the chicks are gone, and, okay, I, I need to testify, the inquiry. I'm going to get in this lifeboat. There's empty seats. Why shouldn't I get in? Why should I? Yeah, not? I mean, I mean, he probably wishes he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, none of us can say what we would have done. I, I find it hard to believe that if I had a chance to get off the ship, I would have taken it. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, being alive, generally speaking, I think greater than sign not being alive. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at all the uh, you know the, the lifeboats that went out, you know, non-full. Like yeah, it's just a waste. Yeah, there was you well, know, and, and you know that's one thing I actually have some numbers for you. <gasps> um, we love numbers. Yes, <laughs> with the Titanic's lifeboats, which um, were a bone of contention, of course, although they met all legal requirements, um, they actually could have held one thousand one hundred seventy-eight people. Wow! They put seven hundred and five people in them. No. So they could have saved, you know. Hundreds and hundreds of more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because of stupidity and the lack of the scale of the emergency being enforced or driven into people until it was too late, then they actually they had a hard time trying to get people to even get in the boats in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Well, you know, they paid all that money to be on the Titanic, not on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it kind of goes 
back to their whole, you know, concept of, you know, it feels so state safe and sturdy and the water's calm and yeah. it's late and there's warm. There's a, they got a fucking band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to leave. It's cold. <laughs> and, you know, in, you know it, people think, oh, a lifeboat's so safe. You're sliding down 80 feet down the side of a ship in a wooden boat held by ropes in the dark in the North Atlantic. Not that safe. No. Yeah, we saw Life of Pi. <laughs> there, that, was a, there was a tiger in that movie. There was a tiger in that movie. Yeah. It was a very excellently rendered CGI tiger. This is true. Uh, so we've we've been pretty negative right. up until this point. What did uh, Titanic Blood and Steel do correctly? Um, they spelled it right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was actually trying to make notes on that. I'm not even kidding. And I, you know, as far as the major plot points, they got a lot of shit wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like part of it um, with the um, oh, what were they? The um, the uh, the protests. What were they called? Because um, I actually looked it up. The steel strike. Uh, oh, the, uh, the the dock strike. The, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the labor disputes and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they were started by Jim Larkin. He was a real guy. And uh, that happened in 1907. They didn't start building the Titanic till 1909. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I mean, it was a big deal. Um, but, you know, it wasn't that big. The one thing they did get right pretty accurately was the coal strike. The coal strike is what fucked Titanic. Um, and it was January 1912, and most of the English, Welsh, and a lot of Irish coal miners just flat out went on a strike because they weren't getting a lot of money. And what they ended up doing, because Titanic had to sail, and the coal strike ended on 6th of April, but that wasn't enough time to get, um, you know, like, I think, what, like 500 tons of coal a day Titanic used. They didn't have that much time to get that, so they um, canceled, I think, six other ships, and they routed all their passengers to the Titanic. Um, that's how, because like Titanic, people think, oh, it was like you know packed full of people. It was barely half full hmm. when it's like, So um, hmm. most of the people who were on there, like Joanna, were on there because their passengers got canceled on other ships. Um, so that hmm. is actually one thing they got right. All right. And they spelled it right. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm really trying. Like I can't think of like you know the construction timeline was terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we couldn't even get a sense of the timeline. Like, when he right. said three years, I was like, oh, yeah, it must have taken three years <laughs> to build that ship. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, they just, they, and, you know, even a time stamp would have been helpful. Yeah. Would have been, would have been super, because I knew the story, even I didn't know where it was half the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, um, it was really bad, y'all. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I had such high hopes, because this is a part of the story that no one knows. Mm-hmm. Even I wasn't, you know, super familiar with it. And so I was like, oh, this will be great. And, God, it sucked. I mean, <laughs> it, it hurt my soul so much. I just, I wonder what people think when they rewrite history like that for a TV show. I mean, this is, you know, one of the richest, as you said, you know, it's this very romantic story. Even, you know, the parts about building it can't be that dull. You know, and yeah. you know, I mean, you know, go ahead and invent, you know, your your private dramas and your romantic Absolutely. subplots and things. But I mean, there's just no reason to make a pastiche out of history. Like if they yeah, had, it, if they had followed the real timeline and only focused on the coal strike, they still could have, 
you know, brought up some of the issues that they brought up in terms of the labor movement and people running for parliament and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and it's it's one of those things, too, where it's it's like the Civil War is another example or, or something like that, where the people who would be most interested in your movie or t- TV show or whatever are also the sort of people that are going to tend to have a very detailed knowledge of the history. Like and you better get the shit right. Right. Well, exactly. yeah, and it's like an even the casual, you know, observer who's going to watch. I mean, they're not going to be able to tell the difference, but you might as well just stick to the facts. Right. Well, I mean, it's just it's it's there's no what what got me is there were there was no reason for them not to stick to the facts here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been so easy just to do things properly. Like why? It was. They used the blueprints for the Lusitania and the scenes where Mark mirrors always like unrolling things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been so much easier to get the Titanic's blueprints. I would think. <laughs> I, mean, I have them. Maybe not. Maybe not in Serbia. <laughs> but I mean, and like, and like, and like those two ships, they did not look alike at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they had four smokestacks. That was it. Totally. <laughs> it. No, I was. I, admittedly, I would never have noticed. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is though on the blueprints, if like you actually like zoom in, you can see it. It says it. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> and I take I it mean, you have. Of course I do. <laughs> I'm that dick. I'm that guy. Yeah. And I just got a new TV, and I just wanted to try it out. And I used it to prove their tomfoolery. <laughs> and I was aghast. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, Titanic Blood and Steel was an epic fail yeah. on every possible level. Yeah. It really was. But uh, it afforded us this fantastic opportunity to That's get to talk right. to you about the and Titanic. I'm really excited that you got to do that because it's a big thrill for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> talking to honestly, this is highlight of my week. <laughs> no, actually, I am super, super... Uh, tickled that I got to be here. I am a total fanboy of y'all's <laughs> show. It's actually the first podcast I ever listened to. Oh, wow. I think I started on like the third or fourth episode. Good thinking. And, and um, that that's when I, I found it, and I've been listening ever since. I think the only one, I, I gotta admit, I was not a Manor House fan. Ah. And I couldn't, I couldn't even get through a room with a view. That's okay. Um, yeah. Moving. So, we we um, cover a variety of things, hoping that you know the majority of people will be cool with it. But yeah, and when something becomes a Titanic blood and steel disaster, we uh, cut the cord. Yeah, and we get out, make our escape. We well, tunnel. No, we you, tunnel to freedom. You, you finished it out, and you know that's and that's admirable. As bad as it was, <laughs> um, you know, I feel bad because I think I'm one of the people that recommended this to you. But when I recommended, I was like in episode four. Yeah, well, you know, and I mean, I remember whether it was your recommendation or we just saw a press release about it or what it was. I mean, we were excited, too. I think everybody was excited because we all had the same thought, which was, oh, wow, we've all been thinking that there's only one way to view this story. And here's this new angle. But it just wound up being a terrible angle. Yeah. Like Tom Cruise's right side. Yeah. Oh, God. One question I have. Or one thing, I'll see what you guys think. I did think Titanic Blood and Steel was like remarkably better than Julian Fellows. Oh, yes, that is true. I mean, it was too long, 
It was definitely too long. There was too much... There was too many episodes for the amount of story they wanted to tell. Right. But come on, Julian Fellows is Titanic. Look, I'm, I'm curious to see, frankly, if Titanic the Legend goes on. Is it <laughs> better than Julian Fellows' Titanic? I'm convinced it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only parts of like Titanic, uh, Julian Fellows, I liked was like the scenes where people finally die. Because those are the only <laughs> ones that had real emotion or sadness. Tony yeah. Jones was trying like so hard. Yeah, but yeah, there was just... There was nothing, no. I mean, because that's Titanic, Blood, and Steel. I mean, we said on the show after episode, like, two or three, we're like, yeah, we're really getting into this. And there was never a moment in Julian No, Fires. there was not. I was really happy to see Bates' wife die in Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> I just wished he'd been there to, you know, freeze to death, too. Yeah, it was like transference. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, the, the ice water becomes his, uh, it's like, you know what? Never mind. I, I forgot where I was gonna go with that. I think I was gonna try to do some kind of like transubstantiation thing or something. I don't know. Are you an uh-huh. ordained? Are you an ordained priest? Because that's the only way you can do it. No, I'm not. Uh, I actually, <laughs> However, no, he I'm, is. He- I'm, 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 a, I'm ordained in the Unitarian Church. I did it online once. Um, I've never married anybody, but I, if you pay thirty-five dollars, you too can be ordained. I, I actually am a minister in the Church of Universal Life myself. <laughs> Oh, cheers, brother or sister. I'm not sure what we're supposed to say. Uh, how about <laughs> comrade? Grand Dragon? I'm not sure. Un- how about Unitard? I, I will be the Unitard with you. We can like Way to go, you. Unitard. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I'm skeptical. I think that you're a secret Catholic. I think your real name is Chris Malone. <laughs> I, I was... I was we, we don't we don't tolerate that down here. So, um, everybody down here is Baptist, and everybody loves Jesus and America, M E R I K A, and fried chicken and Mama. That's what everybody loves. So, um, what you're there. saying is that since you're a secret Catholic, you have to pretend to be a Baptist so that you can have your your job and your career and your relationships. No, actually, a lot of people I work with are Indians, so they're all praying to like. Um, I don't know who they pray to. I just hate, like, when I'm in the break room, they'll all start uh, speaking in a foreign language, and I'll just say to them, it's okay, I don't understand your language, you can gossip about me, it's fine. <laughs> do you think um, they gossip about you, then? I know they do. <laughs> they're just jealous. They're not on a podcast tonight, and I am. And they're probably just, like, like hanging out, you know, watching Bollywood, because that's what they do. They might be on an Indian language podcast. You don't know that for sure. It's true. They could be They could be having a podcast about you. <gasps> What if they were? <laughs> a podcast about me. <laughs> so, uh, before we wrap up, so what would you say to some of the cousins if they are looking for more factually accurate, uh, fun information about the Titanic? Uh, what would you recommend? Well, on um, that, look at that one. I, I can do. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that I hate Romeo and Juliet on a boat, <laughs> James Cameron did an excellent job with Titanic. Especially as far as like visual, like what you see is exactly like he has the same carpet designs, he has the same china pattern, he mm-hmm. used Harlequin blueprints to build his set. It is spot on. It, he did a stellar job. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he actually used as main source material was a book by Don Lynch um, called Titanic: An Illustrated History. Ooh, I like pictures. Yeah, it's great. It's a coffee table book, so it has lots of pictures, which helps people like me. And um, and the main visual artist on that was a guy named Ken Marshall, 
don't pronounce it Marshall, it pisses him off. And <laughs> have, uh, have you met him? Uh, I haven't met him, but I've just, you know what? I, I don't. I, I'll just say I haven't met him, but I just know he likes people to say his name. Correctly. Okay, most uh, people do. And uh, um, he is a visual. Like if you've seen any Titanic documentary, you've seen his paintings because they look like photographs. They're mm. gorgeous. Mm. And a lot of the shots in James, James Cameron's Titanic were based off of his paintings. Um, so that's a really good one. A&E did a really good biography um, just called, I think, Titanic back in the mid-90s. It was a several, like, two or three DVD, like four or five VHS set back in the day. It's on <laughs> Netflix. You can, it's not Instant View, but you can uh, get it through there. It's really good. Um, there's also a website, uh, uh, Encyclopedia... Encyclopedia Titanica or Encyclopedia Titanic, I can't remember exactly. That is adorable. It's, it's, it's a really, no, it's, it's a huge, massive uh, website, web forum. People um, you know, talk about it, contribute, all kinds of things um, there. So that's a really good place people can go. I would just, I would be advised um, to stray from the Wikipedia page for Titanic because sometimes there will be posts on how they received seven penis warnings during the last or my favorite one oh my god I'll forget it, it, was one, it was the first thing I looked at Wikipedia was the Titanic page years ago and yeah, I guess it was back before they really monitored it very closely and it had the reason they hit the Titanic was because the captain was having sex with somebody on the bridge and didn't see the iceberg <laughs> And that was on there for months. <laughs> I'll look at it and laugh because we're twits. Uh, avoid Wikipedia. Stick with the, the Encyclopedia Titanica. Um, and then again, the Don Lynch book, it's kind of like the Titanic Bible. It needs to be updated because it's about 20 years old. But it's got lots of pretty pictures. So. All right, cool. Yeah. And well, the ship sinks the end. So, <laughs> so prepare yourselves. Yeah. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, Chris. This has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great to have our first official cousin cameo on on the podcast. Pretty neat. Yeah. And and thank you. And again, seriously, like, you know, I'll speak for all the other ones out there. We really do enjoy what you guys do. It's a hoot. It (laughs) makes my morning commute so much. Like, I haven't killed anybody in months. (laughs) (laughs) It really does make it much more enjoyable, and I like somebody who um, kind of tears this shit apart like I do. It yeah, yeah. I'm not a freak, or that I'm amongst many freaks. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I hope I wasn't too much of an ass. It was just for show. I promise, I'm a really a very nice person. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were a, a delight. Yeah, that's true. I was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, I think it's about time for us to uh, sign off here. Do you want to do luncheon out after we say uh, up yours downstairs? I could never take that from you. (laughs) Um, um, But I got to say, I love that. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again to Cousin Chris. We'll be back uh, very soon with our take on Titanic, The Legend Goes On. That's right. With uh, the Dowager Cousin Jackie actually will be here Mm -hmm. for that one, so that'll be very exciting. So until next time, up up yours yours downstairs, downstairs. luncheon out.